What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Thank you for tuning in for Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going to be doing a fantasy mailbag. I'm basically just answering questions that you guys have sent me. You guys completely decided the direction of this show. We're bouncing around on all different types of topics. And I got to tell you guys, before we start, I am in mid-life grind right now. I have a lot going on with colleges. I'm in my last semester, so you know I have to wrap everything up, make sure I'm on track for everything. Then I got all the fantasy stuff going on. I have church meetings and whatnot, so I got so much stuff going on right now, but I'm trying to stay consistent for y'all, so I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And with that said, I mean, other than the, uh, the regular, you know, give me a good rating, give me a review, if you can, reach out to a friend you know, support the podcast. Other than that, um, we can get started. So the first question that I have is from Instagram from Chetney. And he says, or asks, is it worth making a move on a tier one tight end early? So yes. And I want to give you a few different scenarios. So I typically grab a running back at the two, three turn, which is where those tight ends are usually going. But if you're in the mid third and a tight end falls to you, one of those top tier guys, the Kelsey or Kittle, And, you know, really good running backs are gone. I would definitely take the tight end there because tight end is such a scarce position. Despite the fact how many guys that we have this year with huge potential, I think we probably have, you know, so many more like shots in the dark that could land this year late in drafts at the tight end position than any year that I've at least been paying attention to been paying attention to fantasy. Sorry, Um, I still don't see a lot of those you know, shots in the dark landing. It's not like the entire NFL is just going to be switching over to utilizing the tight end more. So Kelsey and Kittle are still going to be by far the elite guys. There's no changing that. There's no denying that. They are one of the safest picks you can make in fantasy football, assuming they don't get injured. Obviously, you guys know I'm not somebody that deals with injury or or projects injury. It just makes everything cloudy, messy. So when it comes to that, yes, I would definitely take that tier one tight end. And I said, you know, if the really good running backs are gone, this is what I would consider, you know, what running backs would be available where I would consider taking the tight ends. If the best running backs on the board are Chubb, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, if you're in that range, that's when I'm taking the Kelsey or Kittle over the running backs. But if you still have Austin Eckler, a Canyon Drake, a Josh Jacobs, if you still have any of the guys like that on the board, then I'm taking them before I take the elite tight end. But yes, it's definitely worth grabbing a tier one tight end because you know you're solid at that position. You don't have to worry about stream. You don't have to worry about trying to find the guy who's going to break out this year. You don't have to try and find that Darren Waller, you know, the diamond in the rough. So yes, it's definitely worth it. And I would also add that in 10 team leagues, that elite tight end makes a huge difference. Because when you're in 10 team leagues, there's a lot of good running backs. There's a lot of good receivers. And I mean, receivers, it's ridiculous. Like, because running back is way more scarce than receiver. But running back and wide receiver compared to quarterback and tight end, mainly tight end, are are like, it's just ridiculous, the depth at those positions. So what you want to do in 10 team leagues is make sure you can get an elite tight end. Because if you can get an elite tight end, 
in a 10-team league, that's going to give you a huge advantage. Because if you go RB heavy in a 10-team league, yeah, it's going to help you. But it's not going to help you as much as getting that elite tight end because everyone's going to have, or almost everyone's going to have, decent running backs, at least decent. You know, wide receiver, everyone's going to have good receivers. So, like, the worst thing you could do, in my opinion, the absolute worst thing you could do in a 10-team league is go wide receiver early. Because there's going to be so many good receivers, and you're missing out on the tight ends. You're missing out on Lamar or Mahomes, which also give you a huge positional advantage, especially in a 10-team league when you can get, you know, good running backs and wide receivers later on than normal. So you want, you know, you want to take those risks at the elite guys. So that's why I like the elite tight ends, especially in uh, 10 team leagues. Then another question from Instagram, should we draft Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay without knowing who's going to be the number one, even though both have been viable backs? So I think it's pretty clear who the number one is. They don't bring in Melvin Gordon and pay him if he's not the number one. So I would draft them, yes, both of them, actually, because they both have very good prices at current ADP. According to Fantasy Football Calculator, um, Melvin Gordon's going at the 402, so the beginning of the 4th, and Philip Lindsay's at the 801, the beginning of the 8th. I think both of those are great values. Gordon should get most of the receiving work and most of the red zone work. If that's the case, which I do believe it is, he is a locked and loaded running back two. There's no way he is not going to be an RB2. Now, he doesn't have like a huge ceiling because Lindsey is there. Lindsey takes away that ceiling from him. Even Royce Freeman being there, like if something happened to Lindsey, they still have a really good running back behind him that's going to split work with him. So there's no way in my mind where Melvin Gordon could finish as like a top eight running back, but he is a locked and loaded, solid running back two. He's my running back 14. So... I love I love drafting Melvin in the fourth, actually. Um, he's on quite a few of my teams just because he, like, if he makes it to the fourth, I'm going to take him. Because you guys know I slam running back heavy. And usually when I have Melvin Gordon, usually he's my RB3 or RB4 um, on my team. Because sometimes I'll just go running back the first four rounds. So I love Gordon. And then Lindsey has really good upside. If something happens to Gordon, we've seen Gordon go down a couple games every season. So if that happens or if it was an extended period of time, lit. Lindsay has huge upside, but he also holds his own, you know, independent value. Um, And he might even be better than I project. Because right now I'm projecting Melvin Gordon at like 60-something percent of the carries. I think it was like 62, 62 percent of the carries, I believe, um, between him and Lindsay. Not the whole team carries, just comparing him and Lindsay. But maybe it's more like 50-50. So Lindsay could really just be a solid flex play in deep leagues. Um, every week, even if Melvin Gordon is healthy the whole time. So Lindsay's definitely worth his eighth round price. Then I have another question from Instagram. This one is, do you take Clyde Edwards or Michael Thomas? So I've seen a lot of people teeter on this and you would expect me to say Clyde because you guys know me. You have profiled me as this guy who's running back heavy. But in this scenario, I would take Michael Thomas. And this is why. Look, you guys know I'm, I prefer running backs, but Michael Thomas is the clear elite talent at wide receiver, and he's done it consistently year to year. Clyde, look, I love him, and we, I mean, most of us do. Obviously, you do if you're asking this question. I love Clyde, but we have to realize and accept that everything we are doing with Clyde is a projection. We have not seen it in the NFL yet. Michael Thomas is safer. We've seen it multiple years back to back. He's super consistent and reliable. Um, you know, his he's not somebody that gets injured either. He's in a reliable offense. He's by far the most consistent wide receiver 
um, when I did my consistency ratings, Michael Thomas was like 35% more consistent than the second best wide receiver. That's insane. Because, um, I mean, 50% is double. So, yeah. Uh, Michael Thomas for me. I'm taking him over Clyde because Michael Thomas is proven. But there's no other wide receiver I'm taking over Clyde. Like, Michael Thomas is the only wide receiver I would take over Clyde in a fantasy draft. And then my last Instagram question that I'm going to answer. He said, is Cooper Cup most the most underrated wide receiver in the league. I really don't understand why you're asking the question, just because I feel like Cooper Cup's not that underrated. I mean, if we're talking real football, he made the NFL top 100 list. And I mean, you might be like, oh, that's nothing. It's only top 100. But there's a lot of positions in the NFL. There's 22 starters. So that's like less than five per position. So I mean, if he made a top 100 list, I'm pretty sure he was like top 15 in the receivers on that list. So you know, he's really, he's very much respected in real football. And then if you're talking about fantasy, I, if anything, you could say I have him underrated in fantasy because I have him like wide receiver 20. And a lot of analysts have him ranked inside the top 12. So I don't really think he's underrated at all. Um, the only thing I could say is maybe if you're, you're talking about me specifically, why I have him ranked a little bit lower. It's just because of, you know, how bad he was once I guess I can't say bad because he was still getting touchdowns, so he was still good for fantasy, but how much less work he got once Higby got involved. And I don't think that it's going to be the exact same this year as it was at the end with Higby and Cooper Cup, but I do expect it to be, you know, slightly similar to that, about 75-70% production of, of what he was getting with, uh, or for Higby, of what Higby was getting with Cup. So Cup will definitely be better. He's not going to only have six targets per game like he did during that stretch when Higby broke out. Um, and he was getting 11 before that. I think he's probably going to be more around like eight targets a game, maybe nine. So I, I'm a little bit lower on Cup, but I don't think he's underrated at all. Then I have a bunch of Twitter questions. And my man, Michael Kramer, he is probably one of my favorite uh, guys that I interact with. Um, so thanks for sending in a question, bro. I love hearing from you. You asked me, Bryce Love, a bell cow. Actually, a couple questions. Bryce Love, a bell cow by midseason. Question one. Question two. Will Dolphin game scripts make Matt Breda a solid running back three at least? And Akers or Henderson? So Bryce Love, talking about him. First off, I do not think he's ever going to get to like the 17 touch per game mark because there's a lot of people there. I mean, Peterson's still going to take away some carries. You have to imagine that Adrian Peterson's getting between 6 and 10 carries. He wouldn't stay there and play there if that was not the case. So he's getting at least 6, 10, or six carries, probably like a max of 12 carries a game. Then Antonio Gibson's probably going to be able to take between 2 and 4 carries a game. So there's not going to be enough carries already to go around for Love. Maybe Love is at like 10 to 12 carries a game. But then we know Antonio Gibson is going to be taking more receiving work than Bryce Love. So Bryce Love might be able to get like, I mean, my projection, once I, I have to adjust the Redskins with all the Love uh, information coming out of camp, I haven't done so since then. But I imagine once I do, Bryce Love's probably going to be in like that 10 to 12 touch range, probably like 11, I'll, just to be safe, I'll say like 11 rushes a game and probably like two receptions a game. So I'm probably going to have him at like 13 touches. So no, that's not a bell cow to me because if you're including receptions, we're not just talking carries. When you're talking about total touches, seven, 17 is like the minimum for me to consider somebody a bell cow, maybe even 18. So no, I don't think Bryce Love is going to be a bell cow. 
Um, but obviously, if Adrian Peterson went down, then possibly yes, but I'm not going to project that. And Adrian Peterson's actually been, like, pretty sturdy, despite his age. Um, but also, man, I actually got a lot to talk about Bryce Love. I forgot how many notes I put in here for him. So he's also one of the guys I like to draft really late because I do love his talent. Back, I remember back in college, he was behind Christian McCaffrey at Stanford. Obviously, I loved McCaffrey. I actually liked McCaffrey a lot more than other people did. People doubted his ability to run in between the tackles, which I didn't really see that concern. I didn't understand it. People also uh, didn't think he was going to be able to to carry an NFL workload. I thought he would. Obviously, we can see that he is able to carry an NFL workload now, considering that he, he's getting like 25 touches a game, um, if you're including the receptions, of course. But Bryce Love was also really good behind him. And then once McCaffrey left, Bryce Love balled out at Stanford. He was projected as like a back end of the first round or top of the second round pick last year. But then he decided to return because, you know, he's an he's somewhat of an intellectual. So he decided to return to Stanford, finish his degree, uh, finish his senior year, play football again, and then come out this year. Well, obviously some things happened. Um, I believe... Man, I probably should have touched up on this. I believe he got injured um, at some point, but, and you know, that's part of the reason why he fell in the draft when he got taken. But Bryce Love is somebody that I love. He's been really good. I don't expect him because I know he tore, was it his ACL? I think he tore his ACL. He he took some type of injury that is not something that you come back 100% to. So maybe he's not as quick, as dynamic as he was, but all reports are showing that he still is very much that guy. So I like him as a good late round pick. And then your second question was about Breda. I love Breda as a solid running back three, easily. Not only will he be good because of the game scripts, like you mentioned, because they're always going to be passing the ball. Um, they're, you know, their defense is good. It's going to be even, it's going to be better than it was last year. It's not going to be like horrible by any means, but they're going to be passing a lot. And so that's really going to be helpful for Breda because we know Breda is a better receiver than Jordan Howard. And then... Another thing that I think really, really helps Breda be, become a solid RB3 all season is the fact that Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson, their wide receiver three and wide receiver four, both opted out. When targets vacate a team, some of those targets go to the running back position. So not only was Breda already set to lead that running back room in receptions, but now he's probably going to get even more targets and receptions because of wide receivers that are opting out. They're not going to just take all of Hearns and Wilson's work and just shift it over to you know the other receivers on their depth chart like Isaiah Ford or maybe Gary Jennings so he's going to get even more work because of that and the last thing is if he's the better receiver and the Dolphins play smart Breda is going to be the one they use in the red zone because he can threaten in two facets of the game instead of Jordan Howard so if Brady's using the red zone he probably has better touchdown potential as well so I love him as a solid running back three and then when you talk about Akers and Henderson I'm Definitely, definitely going Cam Akers. He's the way more talented prospect than Darrell Henderson. Way more talented. Then he's also the higher draft pick, second rounder this year. He's not only the higher draft pick, but the newer draft pick. And, you know, everything points to him getting a, a good workload. Like, especially the fact that Darrell Henderson just is started dealing with, like, hamstring issues and, you know... That's something that could definitely linger. Hamstring is one of those injuries that can go through the season and kind of hamper you and stop you from being 100%. If that's the case, Akers is going to run away with this job because a less than a less than 100% Darrell Henderson is not going to touch Akers at 100%. So, and Cam Akers is actually a pretty decent receiver as well. Like I know Henderson is, you know, some big people are excited that can be 
like a good impact player in the receiving game for the Rams, but Akers can do that as well. So Akers to me is definitely the way to go. I love taking him in the sixth round where he's dropping still somehow um, because he has huge, huge upside. Everyone used to want a piece of the Rams offense before, then they had a bad year, and now people are staying away from them a little bit or just focusing on the receivers. Look, if you think the receivers are going to be great, then that means their offense is going to be good. If you like Goff, if you like anybody in that on that team, that they're going to have to be, you know, some level of like really good. And Acres, I, I did not know how to word that clearly, um, but you know what I'm saying. Acres is going to have a good opportunity for touchdowns, just like Gurley always did. And I think he's definitely the one that you got to take in that backfield, even at cost. I'd rather have Acres where he's being drafted than Henderson a few rounds later. Then the next question is from Rockaway Roughcats. We were told to fade rookies a tad due to COVID. Now everyone is in love with several and they're climbing up draft boards. What are your thoughts? So I actually like that you said this because I think it's very true. It's something that's crossed my mind once or twice. And I've thought about it, dwelt on it more now that you've asked the question. So the rookie love is definitely getting a bit much on the wide receivers because we know wide receiver compared to running back, it's a much more difficult um, position to learn and to succeed in right away, transitioning from college to the NFL. Whereas running back, you can come in, it's not as difficult. You know, you're taking the ball, you're reading your your lane and you're you're going. So I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from the running back position. If you guys like anybody plays running back, I know I have like a lot of uh, high school age demographic people listening as well. Um, if you play running back, I'm not taking anything away from it. I'm just saying it's a little bit easier to, to learn that quick and, you know, be good at it and be able to excel at it than it is wide receiver. So I think the love on receivers is getting to be a little bit much. I like them too, but if you look at my rankings, like the way I talk about them makes you think that I like them more than I have them ranked. Because I'm realistic with my rankings. My rankings are based off my projections. And if you look at my projections, I, I know it's not going to be an easy year for receivers. So I agree with the notion to fade rookies from COVID, but mainly just on the receivers because running back's not as difficult a position to come in and to be great. Also, to this point, Joe Burrow, because he's the only quarterback I think is going to start and get significant time this year out of the rookies. Joe Burrow may struggle his first couple games, but he's still going to be decent for fantasy because he's still going to get the volume. They're still going to be throwing the ball so much because their defense sucks. So, like, it's bottom five easily in the league. So because of that and the fact that he has really good receivers, even if he struggles um, picking things up and the fact that he can run, he's still going to get the volume to be really good in fantasy. So I'm not too worried about Burrow either. And then... um, the last thing is when you're looking again at running backs and receivers, struggling receivers are not guaranteed volume. If you're a rookie receiver, even though you're picked in the first round, if you're struggling and the team is good, they're not going to just force feed you because they have plenty of other options at receiver. You know, even if there's somebody less talented, but they run the routes correctly because they know what they're doing because they've been doing it. They're, you know, a seasoned vet. They have experience, especially if they've been on the team then it's going to be harder for a receiver to make an impact. Whereas running back, I mean, you just, you take the ball and go. And honestly, I like the prices on all of the rookie running backs, except for Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, I think in the third right now is a little too much. Um, But the other running backs are all decently priced. Now, Jonathan Taylor, why? Why do I feel like it's too much? Because he's not, I love him for dynasty. Okay, don't get me wrong. I, I would not be surprised at all if he turned into Ezekiel Elliott type of, 
you know, talent and production for fantasy as soon as next year. But right now, he's sharing touches with Marlon Mack, and he's sharing receptions. Well, not even sharing, like he's getting robbed of receptions, completely robbed by Naheem Hines. So don't forget that Ezekiel Elliott is, yes, I know he's behind a great O-line and is a, a violent runner and very athletic, just like Jonathan Taylor. But Elliott's been getting 50-plus receptions the past couple years, and that's been making him really good. And also, he gets way more carries than Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's not going to get as many carries. He's not going to have the type of receiving work to make him really good. So I think in the third round, as like he comes in as like my RB26, Jonathan Taylor, for this season, in the third round, that's way too high. I would take him... Like, in the fourth round, I would be like you know, hesitant to take him. So the fact he's going in the third, I'm not getting any Jonathan Taylor shares, except I will have one share once I have my uh, keeper league draft because I have the second overall pick. So obviously Clyde's going to go first. So I'll have one share of Jonathan Taylor. So I wish they got the best, you know, but I just don't think that he's worth his price right now. But outside of that, I love all the other rookie running backs. And that's basically my, uh, my, you know, analysis on how COVID affects the rookie position. Then my writer, my boy, Zach Larson, if you guys are not following him yet, he drops articles with me or for, you know, for the website, and we just collaborated on an article that should be up soon. Um, actually, at the time of recording this, it's not up yet, but by the time you guys are listening, it will be. So if you haven't checked it out, go check out the article that me, Zach, and my and the other writer, Drew, um, collaborated on. It's our favorite targets by round. So we go all 15 rounds of like a standard draft, not standard like scoring system, just a regular draft, PPR, and each of us give you our favorite person to draft in every round. And we have double-ups. The double-ups are going to make you more confident. Um, just like a preview, I can, can tell you since we were just talking about Cam Akers. Cam Akers is one of our double-ups. In the sixth round, I have him as my favorite guy to draft. And so does Zach because Zach is a huge Cam Akers guy. He wrote an article on Cam Akers. But Zach asked me, and make sure to follow him on Twitter. It's ZachFF. The Z is capitalized, and Zach is C-H, not C-K. It's Zach FF. He asked me, is Kareem Hunt worth his startup price? So, yes, I do think he is, because right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator in Dynasty Drafts, he is going at 5-12, so basically the 5-6 turn. I have him ranked for this year at RB25, because he's getting almost 75% of the receiving work between him and Chubb, and then he's still getting a decent amount of carries, and they're going to be a very, very run-heavy team that involves the running backs in the receiving game as well. So if he's my RB25 this year, that would put him already, just talking redraft, at the fifth, sixth round. But then you have to consider the fact that he's a free agent and could be starting next year in teams like Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Miami, Jacksonville, and a few others, and he's well worth that cost. Because if he's worth the cost right now, like right now I think he, he flushes. Right now he's being drafted exactly where I think he should be for redrafts. But you're talking dynasty. Come on, like we let's not forget how good Hunt is. So I love Hunt. He's a very talented guy. I doubt that he's going to stay in Cleveland. And he's hitting a free agent market where there's a lot of good running backs, and people are going to get screwed over. Like some running backs are not going to find starting roles. I think Hunt's going to be the one that does find a starting role because he's going to be willing to accept less money because his past couple years production have been less, just because he hasn't gotten the same workload. That some of these guys like you know that are hitting free agency like Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, guys like that did. So they're going to be able to ask for a lot more money. We know guys or teams do not like spending a lot of money on the running back. I think it's going to make it, you know, a higher likelihood that Kareem Hunt ends ends up as a starter somewhere because he's going to be willing to accept a slightly less 
um, money-laden contract. So that's why I like Kareem Hunt a lot, actually, at his price in startups. And then the uh, the last question before, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to just go through. I was going to say before I take a break, but I'm not going to take a break. Let's just finish this off. So we got T10 Fantasy Revolt said, does anyone think PP1D <laughs> is a good idea? And it took me a second, but he's talking about points per first down. And I'm happy he said that because I'm actually in a league that is half points per first down. So you're not getting a full point, but you're getting half a point. And if you guys play in a league like this, please listen to this. It's going to be very important because I played like my first year in this without really taking into account that the, you know, first down. So I was like kind of, you know, just like, oh, everyone gets first downs. Is it really that big of a deal to look at that? Like, does it even matter? So I didn't really pay attention to it. Then I decided to start paying attention to it and it's helped me. And I think it's very important. So this is how you approach your drafts. If that's the case, if you're in a draft like this, you have to adjust your strategy. If you thought running backs were valuable before, oh boy, you're in for a shocker because in half point or even full point, especially full point per first downs, these are the people that receive them like a huge value boost. Workload running backs, PPR monster receivers like Michael Thomas, and the sneaky wrinkle rushing quarterbacks. But when you talk about running backs, obviously they're going to pile up mad first downs. I mean, if you're getting Ezekiel Elliott 20 carries a game, he's getting five to 10 first downs between that and his receptions. That's a lot. That's another five to 10 points. Depending on, you know, if you're full point per first down or half point per first down or whatever. But that's a that's a big deal right there. And then you also have your high reception guys in the receivers. They're going to be better because almost every reception a receiver gets, like not every time, obviously, but most receptions that receivers get go for first downs. So your high reception guys are, it's basically not a point per reception league. It's basically not one. It's more like one and a half points per reception or two points per reception if you're doing full point per first down. So you want to to get that Michael Thomas or Jamison Crowder or trying to think of like other guys that are like mainly PPR um hmm Tyler Boyd would be a really good one actually DJ Moore like those guys that are just getting already slept on because they're PPR guys and oh Juju Juju's gonna be a really good one too coming out the slot now with Big Ben back like those are the guys you want to target and you guys I mean you can get most of those guys pretty late I mean you can get Tyler Boyd late Juju's pretty late um he's like in, in the fourth right now I think um, so yeah, it just, that's definitely something to focus on. And then, like I said, the quarterbacks, this is the biggest thing probably because running backs are super valuable, but I already personally draft that way for me, quarterbacks. I usually go quarterback late and everything, but I want to make sure I get a running quarterback in a league like this because you're not getting points for passing first downs in, in leagues that are points per first down or half point per first down or whatever. Teams that use the scoring system do not give points for first downs from passing. Only if you run for a first down or catch for a first down. So quarterbacks that run, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, um, Joe Burrow could be one, Gardner Minshew, Russell Wilson, he doesn't run as much as he used to. But especially guys like Gardner Minshew, Kyler Murray, because Minshew was on pace for you know over 400 yards last year. Kyler did, Lamar obviously, Josh Allen obviously, Cam Newton as well. All those guys are not only getting their, you know, rushing yardage, but every time they break a first down, they're getting you another 
five points or another full point. That's a huge difference. And like you honestly, you have to completely restructure your rankings if you're in a league like this for quarterbacks. And if you want to, you know, just download my sheet and look at like the guys that I have most rushing yards and just give them because you can edit, you can edit my free draft sheets. You can put in like your own column for first downs and then you can go ahead and, you know, do that and then re restructure the rankings based off uh, the points after that. So if you want to use the free draft sheets to do that, go, go ahead by all means. So that was actually, you know, I went pretty long. Uh, I didn't think I was going to go that long on the points per first down. I guess, you know, as I talked about it, I realized I like it more than I do, uh, more than I thought, because it gives me a competitive advantage. Most people won't look at something like that as much as I will. They won't pay attention to it as much as I will. So, you know, if you have sneaky wrinkles in your leagues, make sure to pay attention to them. They can give you that, you know, slight edge that you needed. Now, Whiskey Time FFB, so obviously fantasy football, asks, Dynasty half point, shop, sell, or hold Melvin Gordon. I'm leaning ride him into the sunset because his value has has plummeted. I got a first round offer before the holdout, but now his value is unknown. Yes, I agree. Definitely ride him into the sunset. Hold him 100%. You're not going to get what he's worth because I think he's worth more than what he is. So if you trade him away, you're never going to get you know, what I think you should. And then you should definitely keep him because he's going to help you win this year and win next. So if you're a contender, because I'm trying to turn this question into something that helps everyone. If you're a contender and you don't have Melvin, look at the guy who has Melvin. If he's not contending, give him a low ball offer for Melvin. Because like I said, I think Melvin is going to be a locked and loaded RB2. And, you know, if you can get him, Melvin Gordon, for any combination of a second a third and a fourth, like if you can send like a second and a third or, you know, two seconds for Melvin Gordon, or even, even, this is if you want to be a little more risky, but I play like this because you're playing to win, baby. If you want to send a late first for Melvin Gordon, do it. Even if you have to throw in like a fourth or a third, because honestly, if we're talking thirds and fourths, those are basically useless. Um, So I use those as throw-ins if, you know, me and a fantasy manager trying to make a trade are not on the same level i always throw in thirds and fourths because those picks are almost useless so um and for some reason it makes them be like oh yeah okay now i'll do the trade like as if that means makes them you know gives them like an advantage it doesn't really so i love melvin gordon definitely hold him and if you're a contender go for him then nate oh my boy nate all right this is this one's just fun really but i like it i like uh some curveballs so he said, would you rather would you rather fight a hundred mouse-sized Chuck Norris's or one Chuck Norris-sized mouse? And he then he said, is this a good way to determine draft order? Who can beat the most hypothetical hundred mouse-sized Chuck Norris's? Chuck Norris's. Um, so if you're asking me, I think this answer is so easy. Okay, think about this. You're talking about a mouse. How... Ha- m- mice or mouses or whatever i don't know what the verbal pronoun whatever is of mouse but let's just say it's mice okay because i'm pretty sure it's mice but some people say that mice are like completely different things i don't even know um let's just say mice okay think of how fast they are mice dude are you kidding me i used to Ooh, do I want to say this? Okay, let's just say I was in a situation at some point in my life (laughs) where I was um, dealing with mice, okay? I'll just leave it at that. I'm not trying to call anybody out. Um, 
So I was in a situation like that at some point in my life. So trust me, I know how fast those things are. If you have to deal with a mouse that's as big as Chuck Norris, there's no getting away. Those teeth, those teeth are huge. They have like those two front teeth. Bro, if the mouse is the size of Chuck Norris, those teeth are going to be as big as an iPad. Those things are crushing you, skull crushing, bro. So like, yeah, I'm definitely going with a hundred mouse size Chuck Norris because look, you're telling me there's a hundred little like action figures on the ground, basically. If there's a, a bunch of action figures coming at me, I'm just swinging my leg around and they're flying across the room, hitting the wall and they're dead, bro, they're done. So I'm definitely going that direction because there's no way I'm taking a mouse the size of a human. Like, that's basically a bear, <laughs> if we're being for real. And like, they have claws too. And they have the big tail. Oh, don't even get me started on the tail, bro. They'll turn around and whack you like five feet in the air with the tail. That's ridiculous. So yeah, I'm definitely, definitely taking the uh, 100 mouse size Chuck Norris. And um, should the draft order be determined on this? Look, if you can figure out a way to do that, that would be super entertaining. So yeah, I say I'm all for it. And then P2W Fantasy, I just had the pleasure of hopping on to, you know, one of you guys' live streams. I, you know, had a good time talking to you guys. You guys are really cool. You said, how much does injury history or guys getting knocked up affect your draft strategies? For me, it is a huge impact because I'm all about, especially at the top of drafts, I'm all about risk mitigation. So when I'm looking at my first picks, you know, like rounds one through four, you cannot miss on those picks, especially rounds one and two. Like if you miss on your pick in round one or round two, it's so hard to recover. You have to be able to hit on like the huge waiver wire guy or one of the best sleepers in the draft that year, you know, find one of the diamonds in the rough, like just to make up for your miss. So for me, Dalvin Cook, I do not touch him. Do not touch him. It, it makes no sense. Why, why should you risk it? Okay, let's say you're at five. Or six. Let's just say six. Okay, Michael Thomas is gone. The big four running backs are gone, being Kamara, Barkley, Zeke, and McCaffrey, obviously. So you're at six, and you're looking at the board. You have Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Clyde, Miles Sanders, all the receivers outside of Michael Thomas. There's no way I'm drafting Dalvin Cook because the difference that Dalvin Cook gives you versus any of those other running backs, because I do have Dalvin Cook ranked above all the other ones, the difference he gives you in points is not nearly worth the risk of him missing games, which is way higher than any of those other running backs or receivers. Um, and you guys know I'm not going receiver there if Michael Thomas is gone. So I'm definitely going running back. But I'll take Clyde before I'll take Dalvin. I'll take Derrick Henry before I'll take Dalvin. I'll take Miles Sanders before I take Dalvin. Like, I'll take probably my top 12 running backs before I take Dalvin just because I am not risking my first round pick missing half of the season. It's ridiculous. And not only that, but now you have the contract garbage going on. Um... Like, look, Dalvin Cook, you deserve money, bro. I love you, but you can't blame the team. Like, you haven't even been able to play a full season, so you can't be upset with the team not paying you what you're asking for. Like, I think if maybe Dalvin Cook asked for, like, what Derrick Henry just got, which I think was what? What was it, 12? I think it was 12, right? Like, 12 a year. If Dalvin Cook asked for that, then I think, you know, now we're talking. We're in a good ballpark, but... You know, he, he needs to, I think he just needs to lower his expectations a little bit on how much he's asking for because he hasn't proven that he can, you know, handle a full season workload. And if they're signing him to a huge contract, that's going to be something that persists year to year. So I think he should just sign a contract, bro. Like 
If you can get 10, anywhere near 10 or higher, just sign it because that's a really good deal for somebody that has so many injury history, especially after we just saw, you know, what happened with Gurley and how the Rams basically got screwed by that contract. So, and he was somebody with less injury worry than, you know, Dalvin Cook already has and was just as good, if not better of a running back when he wasn't hurt. So, um, yeah, that's just an example. So, yeah, I basically am all about risk mitigation at the top of drafts. I am not drafting guys that have risk, especially ones that have that injury risk. And then when it comes to later in the rounds, I actually kind of like looking for these guys because when it comes to the guys that are in the later rounds, okay, obviously they're not valued too highly or they wouldn't be available in the late rounds. And usually the reason they're there is because they're injury-prone guys, which means if they don't miss time this year, then all of a sudden they automatically outperform their ADP. Guys like this are Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram. You're getting all these guys late at a good value in a range where most of your picks are already going to miss. Like after round six, really even including round six, like half of the people getting drafted after round six, seven hit the waivers at some point in the year because they're not worth like just holding on your roster the whole time. So if you're already missing most of your picks, why not take a guy like that? I love taking one to two injury-prone guys that are late-round targets, like the ones I mentioned, especially Fuller and Cooks. I love both of them this year because you know if they're going to be healthy, they're obviously obviously outperforming their ADP if they, if they play 16. And not only that, but they have huge potential with Hopkins gone now too. Like Even if Hopkins was there and Will Fuller got drafted where he's getting drafted now, if he played the full season, he would be better. But Hopkins is gone, so his potential is sky-high. So I love guys like that. If you find injury-prone guys that are going late and they don't get injured, you're automatically hitting. So I like grabbing a couple of those guys. Just don't overload them because one or two is good. Don't get like three or four because you still want to be able to get some guys you can count on in those late rounds. Then Mike Grimes asks, wide receiver three, Russell Gage or Scotty Miller? So obviously, because um, I saw you know one or two people comment on his thing saying like, those are horrible wide receiver threes. He's obviously talking about they're the third receiver on his, on the depth chart for the team they play for. Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller is the Bucks wide receiver three only because, and I'm fully convinced of this, only because Tyler Johnson keeps getting hurt and has not been like, been, like he hasn't had a chance to make an impact in camp because of it. So that's why Scotty's our, our third best receiver right now. And then obviously Russell Gage is the third best receiver in Atlanta. So if I have to take one, I'm taking Russell Gage easy. He has a way better path to targets because he paced for over 100 targets after Austin Hooper left. Yes, I know Hayden Hurst is here, but Hayden Hurst is not going to get as many targets as Austin Hooper got. Okay, Hayden Hurst is a brand new guy in the offense. He's not going to just take all of Hooper's targets. So Russell Gage is still going to have a decent shot at getting a lot of targets. He's the wide receiver three. Okay, both of these guys are the wide receiver three. So look at it like this. This is super simple, actually. Wide receiver three for the Falcons offense or the Bucks offense? The Falcons have two really good receivers in front of him. The Bucks offense have two really good receivers in front of him. The Falcons have one good tight end. The Bucks have possibly three good tight ends. The Falcons are going to pass almost 100 times more. Not 100, but the pa- Falcons are definitely going to pass more than the Bucks are going to. The Falcons almost led the league last year. I have them projected to lead the league this year. The Bucks are not going to have to pass nearly as much as they have the past two years because Jameis Winston's not there turning the ball over, trying to play catch-up. 
Tom Brady's there. Tom Brady's going to make smart decisions. He's not going to turn the ball over nearly as much, and the Bucks are not going to be playing catch-up. They're going to have leads. They're going to hold the lead, and they're not going to throw the ball 650 times. So you're getting a wide receiver three that has two receivers and one tight end to compete with and is in an offense that throws more than the other receiver who has two wide receivers to compete with and three tight ends. So I'm definitely going with Russell Gage. But I will say this to finish this question off. If you're talking DFS, take give me Scotty because he's one of those guys that can take one reception to the house. He's super fast. And he is, you know, he's going to be boom bust. He's not going to be something that's consistent. If I'm talking deep leagues and, you know, I'm going running back heavy and maybe I grab a tight end early or whatnot. And for some reason, I'm in a position where Russell Gage or Scotty Miller, one of them, is going to be somebody I play often. I'm definitely taking Gage. Gage is going to be way more consistent. He's going to have a higher floor. His ceiling is just going to be a lot lower week to week, but I think he's going to have a better season overall. So I'm definitely taking Gage, except for DFS. You can give me Scotty. Then Ken Brown asks, any ideas who can jump off to a, a great start like Eckler did last season? So uh, I'm going to give you two answers to this. First off is Raheem Mostert, and it's because of the schedule. He has a great schedule. Somehow, the team that was just in the Super Bowl has probably the easiest first three to five-week schedule in the NFL, and so Mostert's going to go off, and like I will say he's not going to be Eckler in terms of production or potential because he obviously doesn't have the receiving-like aspect that Eckler has, but in terms of just who's going to jump off to a great start, like Mostert could easily be a top 12 or top 10 running back when you know week four week five go by he could easily be one of the best running backs in the game or in fantasy um and then another guy that i really like is ronald jones okay vaughn kashan vaughn is not as good as everyone thinks they said the you know people in camp bruce arians and you know other sources have said that i don't know if this actually came straight from bruce arians so actually don't put that on me um don't count that as like something against me but i know that Plenty of sources that have been there, like people that write for Peter Report and stuff like that, have said Vaughn has not impressed. He has not impressed. And not only that, but he's been slightly hurt and stuff, so he's not going to be getting the reps he needs to, you know, instill confidence in the coaching staff to play him. And then LaShawn is there as a breather for Rojo. And LaShawn has said he's there to mentor Rojo to help Rojo, you know, unlock his potential. So, whether you like Ronald Jones or not, there's one thing that I think is truth, even though it hasn't happened yet. And I'm always like, you know, you never know until it happens. This is something that I think we know for sure. Ronald Jones in the beginning of the season is getting the first crack at everything. Now, this is where the projection comes in. I think he's going to be good at it. And I think he's going to hold down the job. If that's the case and the offense that the Bucks are going to have and the fact that they're going to be leading a lot and probably be able to run more than they have the past two, three years because they're going to have leads. Wow. What a what a what an idea. Um so you know Rojo lacks also, just like Mostert, the receiving work, but he has a much better path to receiving work than Mostert does. The you know, Bucks will probably involve their running backs a little bit more in the passing game. And um Rojo might be a better receiver than Mostert. Hot take maybe. Uh if you look at the stats, maybe not. So I like Rojo a lot too, and obviously Rojo's going later than Mostert is in drafts. So I'm, I love Ro- Rojo, honestly. Like, I've found a way to talk about him pretty often. So if he ends up busting, I'll take full credit for that because uh, I'll deserve it. But I'm pretty sure Rojo's going to be a very nice player for fantasy this year. And then the last question to finish off the pod, the Wolf asks, trading can be a, notif- 
uh, sorry, (laughs) trading can be a negotiation. I almost said notification. Trading can be a negotiation. Have you ever found a consistent way to bring someone back to reality that highly overvalues their players? Wow. What a question, man. And I left it for the end because that is a tough question. So it's funny because, um, uh, my dad's not here right now, so it's perfect timing for me to talk about this, actually. Um, I personally deal with this all the time with my dad um, because he like he always has great teams, right? He, he does really good in fantasy. He's a seasoned vet. He's been playing since he was, you know, younger than, than me. Like, I started younger than him, but I'm only 21 now, and I'm sure he started playing fantasy when he was, like, 19 or 20. So he's been playing for a long time. He's, you know, really good. He's like a diamond on Yahoo or like whatever the highest thing on Yahoo is. He's that thing um, and stuff. So he, he's great. But the thing is, is because he always has good teams, he always thinks every single person on his team is undroppable and every single person is untouchable. And I, I try to tell him he's gotten better. He's gotten better for sure. Uh, the last like few years, because he used to like be somebody that like wouldn't trade much at all. But I've kind of you know, been able to make some trades with him here and there year to year. And all of a sudden he's like trading for draft picks and all this stuff. So he's definitely adapted, but I know exactly what you're talking about because a lot of times, like this is just how it is when I try to make a trade with my dad. So um, I'm not sure if there's a perfect answer, honestly, or a perfect solution. Um, I usually will try to bring them because your initial question in case somebody forgot is, is there a consistent way to bring someone back to reality that overvalues those players? So I think and a good way to attempt to do this would be to use unbiased sources. So obviously don't say from your perspective, this, this, and this, or from yours or from his perspective, this, this, and this. Just say, you know, go to a website and use the trade calculators and hey, look, this is a it says this is a fair trade, or maybe it says that, you know, this trade is in your favor or my favor or whatever. And, you know, you can show them where the players are valued on unbiased sources. And then not only that, but you can also, if it's the off season, I find it very helpful to compare ADP and ECR. So if someone's like being ridiculous with you, you can be like, look, man, the season hasn't started yet. Fantasy pros ECR has this guy ranked here. And for some reason you think he's like five rounds better. And then, you know, ADP, same thing. You know, this guy's being drafted in the fourth round. The guy I'm offering you is being drafted in the third round and you're giving me like flack for it. You can try that as well. And then uh, sometimes, look, honestly, sometimes guys that love their guys so much are just not going to make a trade with you and you have to accept it. That's it's part of fantasy. You know, it is what it is. Um, But I will also say that subtle reminders of the past. This is, I think, what worked for me the best. Subtle reminders of the past help too. And this is not in regards to my dad. This is just in regards to like other people I've dealt with. So an example of what I mean by subtle reminders of the past, let's say they thought Philip Lindsay after his rookie year when he was really good was worth a first rounder and a second rounder after his, you know, rookie year 2018 season. You tell them, or you told them, because this is obviously the past, you told them that's a huge over ask because Royce Freeman is there and the quarterback situation is in question. They didn't have Drew Locke yet. And you know, those are perfect, valid points. And that's what, what I would say in that situation. That's what why I said that in the example. Then 2019, last year, Philip Lindsay was just okay. So you can go back and hit them with that. Like, look, Lindsay was, you, rem- you remember when you said Lindsay was worth all of this? And I was just trying to tell you, you know, come on, be a little bit reasonable. Like, there's a really, there's a good running back behind him 
They have no idea where their quarterback situation is going to be in the future, yada, yada, yada. You can go back and hit them with that and be like, look, he was good, but like you overvalue your guys too much, man. Like, just just admit it, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you can always do that. And then uh, the last thing, the last like approach, and obviously each person is different. Like the psychology of the human mind is beyond understanding. Like, obviously there are people in this world that understand it better than others, psychologists and everything. But like, there's you're never gonna fully understand somebody. But if you can try and you know try out these different things, figure out what works for who, and just remember that. Maybe even make a note for it. Like I'm somebody who's super organized, make notes on everything. Um, so you know, you'd be like, hey, this guy responds better to this type of thing. And then you can use that in the future. So the last thing I would say is if I had a if I had player X, would you give me what you're asking for? So if somebody in the Philip Lindsay situation, he was saying, Oh, dude, what Philip Lindsay's worth a first and second rounder? Then you'd be like, Okay, fine. If I had Philip Lindsay in another league, you'd give me a first and second rounder. Now some people are just gonna be a smart ass and some people are gonna be like, Yeah obviously. Um, but you know, other people will then all of a sudden be like, Oh wait, that's, I think that's a good point. Actually, maybe I should look at this trade offer this guy's giving me. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a good offer. So that's the last thing I could say on that. But honestly, some people are just ridiculous. Like some people you're not gonna be able to deal with them. They're not going to make a trade with you. Um, but you know, maybe you'll get, I would say it's like 50, 50, maybe you'll get somebody that can be, uh, can be changed over time. So I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, just try those things out and dude, if you do it and it works, if you get one of those people to trade with you, please let me know. Cause you know, like I said, it's a tough question. It's not something that's easy for anybody. So, uh, you know, any, uh, experience or real life examples are very helpful for the future for us to figure out how to approach guys like that. So I appreciate all the questions, everyone. Shout out to all you guys for making this show happen because without you, it would not have happened. I've, you know, like I said, I'm mid grind right now in my life. I've been doing a lot of college stuff. I haven't had as much time, not as much time as I want to focus on fantasy football. So, you know, it was kind of hard for me to put together a whole show and think of like a really good topic to talk about and stuff because I'm trying not to, you know, talk about similar things. Like I could do another mock draft. Like you can always fall back on a mock draft, but I did one kind of recently, so I didn't want to do that. Um, you know, I could talk about rankings, but I've had all my ranking shows. I've had my projection show. So I try not to repeat myself too much because you guys can always, you know, the new listeners that I get, cause I know I have a lot of new listeners uh, every time I've gotten a few more listeners. So I appreciate you guys reaching out to people. It's definitely helping me out. Please continue doing so. But, um, as I was saying, you know, with new listeners, like you guys can go back and listen to those shows. I know a lot of people tend to think like, you know, fantasy changes so quick that you know old shows are no longer relevant but it's really not true um and a lot of times like you can tell by the way i'm talking like i give you know i go really deep into my my thought process so you can always tell if there's something that should be adjusted based off something that's happened since the the time i recorded that podcast because i'm telling you exactly why i think that uh you know whatever i'm saying so you'll be like oh okay well this happened so i'll disregard this one part of the the message that he's sending in the podcast but um, yeah, so I, I just try not to repeat myself. That's why I really appreciate you guys sending me these questions because uh, I couldn't really think of anything. I was kind of stumped and I had a lot on my mind. So I appreciate all the questions. Have a good one, guys. Remember to leave a rating and review if you can. Reach out to a friend. Uh, it doesn't have to be somebody in your league. Just, you know, reach out to someone and be like, hey, this guy, you know, he's a underground podcast right now, but he puts out good content. And uh, 
you know, if you want to check them out, go do it. And, you know, deep dive fantasy football, search it up wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a good one, guys. Appreciate all the support once again. And um, actually, man, before I finish, there's something I have to say. I was going to say this in the beginning of the podcast, and somehow I forgot. With everything going on, I just want to make sure that you guys know where I stand. I am 100% against the police brutality going on and the racism that's in America. And this is actually something kind of difficult for me to talk about um, because I plan on being a officer. I'm actually going to be starting the academy very soon in January, um, right after I graduate. And I want to be part of that change um, because it's not going to change whether unless it's from the top or from the inside, it's not going to change. And we have to change it. It's it's our duty as a generation. It's our responsibility to make this change. Nobody should ever be treated differently based on anything that they believe or the way they look. Okay, so I'm trying to, you know, get like I already wanted to, to take this career path, but even more so now because you need as many good people in that field as you can get. So that's part of the reason why I want to become an officer. I want to be there to protect people, to stop injustices. And if I can get to the point where I work my way up so that I'm making the hiring decisions and making sure that I don't have anybody like that, anybody that can make a horrible decision and like a lapse in judgment or whatever you want to call it, or they're just plain out racist or anything, like I, I'm going to make sure that I don't have people like that in my department if I get to the the level of you know prestige where I can make that decision. So I just wanted to let you guys know I'm completely against it because I feel like if you don't talk about it, you're enabling it. And I'm not an enabler. I don't want to be an enabler on the topic. So if you guys have listened to this point of the podcast, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me, you know, share my thoughts with you guys on not only fantasy, but also life. We talk about, you know, some fun things here and there like the Chuck Norris and some serious things like we just talked about. Um, So keep grinding. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast, go check out the article that's out at this time. Um, you know, our favorite target to draft in every round between me and the two guys, Zach and Drew, have been awesome writing articles for me. We're the deep dive team, you know, as a trio, and we give you our favorite guys. So go check that out. Have a good one, guys. Peace.